the Lord messed me up this morning. Amen. Worship will uh, disorient you that it might orient you. <laughs> God will break you down that he might build you up that we become in awe of who he is and when we think of who we are and that his love covers a multitude of sin and that he receives us man they started off with my song from Ricky Dillard about the hand of the Lord yeah oh Lord have mercy that about took me out then y'all went into all of my worship everything Lord I'm just going to give you all that I have and then Clifton gonna get up here and talk about Brandon's rocket. And that tore me up. My God, it's a good thing to get toe up in the house of the Lord. Can I get a witness today? Is there anybody else besides me that's torn up by his love? Hey Russ, my God, thank you Jesus. Well, our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ by being a Bible-based, multi-dimensional fellowship of believers. Our vision as a church is to experience, explain, and expand God's diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. And we thank God for his grace to allow us to be just one lighthouse in his tapestry of the kingdom of God, just one place where people assemble to worship him in spirit and in truth that he blesses us and graces us with his presence and for 26 years now he's kept us he's been good to us uh, as a matter of fact last night uh, pastor jerry was able to perform the wedding ceremony of brother ben and his wife and uh, rebecca and it was just so beautiful uh, to be there and to know that their huddle group was represented and those who have encouraged them were represented from this church as we met their family and i met rebecca's mother last night and and, uh, and i just said to her we're family we're family and she thanked me for this church and the impact and influence it has had on her daughter's spiritual growth and uh, it's just good things man good things and um and then this morning to help celebrate our 26th anniversary, uh, Bishop Walter Simmons and his wife, Jessica, have come with their church, Empowerment Community Church, to be with us this morning. Uh, so God is so good. I've made many friends along the way because I know if I'm going to keep it real, there are some pastors who didn't make it this far for a lot of reasons. Some have died. Some have quit. Some have gone through divorce. But I know it's only by the grace of God that we are still here and still excited about what God is up to and that he's using us through um, all the 26 years. We've gone through four seasons, four different seasons. And, you know, I'm in this series on seasons. And these are the seasons that this church has gone through for 26 years, not just winter, spring, summer and fall. But we have gone through the season of forming, forming building things you know getting things together then from forming we went into the season of norming where things become normal then we've gone into a season of transforming where God just blessed the form 
and the norm, and he transformed and breathed on our efforts. But then following forming, norming, and transforming, there's always been storming. We've always gone through storms for 26 years, and it's those storms that build our character. Sometimes the storms come to purge and to cleanse, but also to remind us who we are with in the boat when the storms come. And then coming out of the storming season, we got to rebuild and start forming again. Then things become normal. Then we're transforming. Then, oh, here comes another storm. Not only is that the life of this church, but I bet it's your life too. And uh, as Brother Clemens said a couple weeks ago, the one thing about God is that he's with us in all of the seasons of life. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. He's on the mountaintop. He's also in the valley. I don't know where you are this morning, but he's with you. I don't know where you are, but his grace is sufficient. Well, there's a saying that says, behind every good man, there stands a good woman. Behind every good man, there stands a good woman. But I, I want to remix that today in my hip hop way and not say behind every woman there stands a good man or rather behind every woman there stands a good man i want to say beside every good man there stands a good woman beside beside when god created adam and eve he created them together and he blessed them male and female male and female and he told them to go and have dominion over the earth side by side now they had different roles within the marriage but side by side, a power couple in the kingdom of God. And there's a couple in scripture that reminds me of that encouragement from scripture of being side by side, and that's Priscilla and Aquila. The Bible says in Acts 16, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who raised their own, excuse me, who risked their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Aquila and his wife Priscilla, they were fellow workers with Paul. They risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. And they had a church in their house, a side-by-side -side team. Six times we see them in scripture, Aquila and Priscilla. But of those six times, three of those times, her name is mentioned first, Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila. And Paul knew what he was doing when he put her name first, because there were some uh, chauvinists in the kingdom of God who felt that women were inferior or second class citizens, not recognizing that women are joint heirs with men in the kingdom of God. Recognizing that women have just as much Holy Ghost as men have. Again, may have different positions and callings, but in the kingdom of God, equally blessed. Aquila and Priscilla side by side. Aquila and Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila. They had a church in their house and they discipled the African preacher named Apollos. Husband and wife team. And, and after 26 years, I know a lot of people will talk about Chris Williamson. It wouldn't be a strong tower without Darina Williamson because it wouldn't be a Chris Williamson without Darina Williamson. 
Amen. I think we can do better than that. I think we can do better for our first lady. A wonderful example to us all. And this morning, my Priscilla is going to speak and share God's word on this 26th anniversary. I, I was praying, saying, Lord, who can I bring in? Who should I fly in? I've got friends around the country, great ministers of the gospel. I've got local friends. And the Lord just whispered. He said, this year, your wife is going to speak. I said, yes, Lord. Because uh, she was down with us from day one. You, you see what I'm saying? When, when we were praying about this thing, you know, it was she and I together. And so many sleepless nights, it was she and I together. And if there's anybody who has a word, it's my Priscilla. But who's my Darina? So the next voice you're going to hear is going to be that of Darina Williamson. Now, following her message, our son, Dante, and our nephew, Jordan, are going to close out this celebration with a little hip-hop. Is, is that all right? They, 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 they're going to get up here and do a little something. They're going to do a little something. <laughs> Don't y'all mess up. All right, all right. All right, baby, come on up here now. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Whatever you say. So as I am preparing, um, we have anniversary gifts that are being passed out to you all. So this is a day of celebration for us. And I believe that these gifts, if I'm correct, are from a local Black-owned business. Yes. So I don't know all the details. It was a surprise when I heard about it, but I'm excited that we get to celebrate together. So um, happy anniversary, church. You know, 26 years ago, as Strong Tower was launching, and Chris and Darina truthfully did not know <laughs> what this adventure would be. We had not seen a lot of examples of multi-ethnic churches, churches that look like we do today. But we, um, we were asking God to just show us his ways. And I also recall in the, the humor of God that I was expecting on that day. I was, um, if I count correctly, four months pregnant with our daughter, Krista. We didn't know it was a girl. We had a toddler, Dante, who's gonna rap today. And so I remember thinking, I don't know what this next child is gonna be, what his or her life will hold. And we're birthing this church and I don't know what that life is gonna be or what that's gonna look like either. But one thing I knew as a preacher's kid was that God would be faithful. And as God allowed us to give birth to a daughter who is getting married on Friday, so we would covet your prayers. I feel like after preparation for this sermon, which I'm so delighted to share, something that's been brewing on my heart for years, um, I said this morning, Lord, after I finish the sermon, I will be officially ready. 
I think, to be a mother of the bride. But you know, those of you who have children who you know, think, okay, I'm gonna read a book and then I'm gonna be ready to be a parent. And you realize uh, there's no such thing. So uh, I know Chris posted some humorous pictures of him with Krista and lots of folks have a bet going on on how quickly he's gonna cry, if he's gonna cry walking her down the aisle, or if he's gonna cry officiating it. But nevertheless, whenever Chris is going to cry, not me, um, we covet your prayers and um, we are excited to celebrate her life and how God is flourishing her. And today, as I look at you all and as I think back through the years and I see Jessica and I see so many of you who've been a part of this story of Strong Tower for so long, whether you are new to our family, Russell, who was here in the early years, who helped teach Negro spirituals to this new worship team of white and black people who were just trying to figure out what does it mean to do diverse worship together. And I remember some of our white congregants when he would mention, you know, sooner we'll be done with the troubles of the world. They were like, oh, I remember learning that in chorus in college. And they might not know Kirk, some of the, the black church, um, you know, worship that I had been grown, you know, had, been, uh, had grown up on that had been a part of seeding my life, but they knew those Negro spirituals and they slowly but surely, we learned how to graft worship styles and um, figure out. And, and we're still figuring out by the grace of God we come this far by faith, I think, is such a great way to coin and to honor and celebrate the Lord um, as we celebrate our anniversary. Chris, if I'm being honest, that worship melted me all the way down too. And I think one of the reasons that this worship was so tender for me is as we approach this subject that I'm going to share today, and as I read through the book of Exodus this week, researching about the children of Israel and the tabernacle and all of the details that went into building this earthly portable place for the, the glory of God to dwell. And I thought of the courtyard and the ark and all of the, all of the entity that that went into the people having even what was a limited, so limited way to worship God and how only the high priest could go into the holy place and then only once a year into the most holy place separated by a veil. And I thought, and here we get to come into the house of God. What a gift to even have a vehicle and to have legs to come in and have breath in our lungs to come to the house of God. And then we can have sight to see words on a screen and we have voices, whether we have amazing gifts of, of, of song or whether we are making a joyful noise, but we get to come into the presence of God and so easily offer our worship. And it just melted my heart to think that we might even take that for granted when what the people of God were prescribed in Exodus had so much detail and even barriers because God was forming this, this band of folk who'd come out of Egypt and were in the wilderness and he was forming them to be his own people and he was shaping what their culture would look like. And so even before I dive into what I've carefully prepared, I want to just off the cuff say, may we value 
the privilege we have to come into the house of God and worship. Not once a year, not with sacrifices of animals and having to cut and put blood on an altar and, and, and not get to come, women, in all the way into the courtyard and all of those things that God prescribed so that his people would reverence him. But we get to just come in the house of God or come in God's presence as his holy temple as individuals. So as I begin today, um, you all know, those of you who've been under Chris's ministry for any time, that the Williamsons are avid Marvel fans. And so this week we saw Shang-Chi, the first Asian superhero featured on the big screen. And it is a wonderful, wonderful depiction so warm and, and graceful depiction of Chinese culture. And it was beautiful to read this week um, some comments from some of my Asian friends, um, their tenderness and, and what that seeing these depictions did for them was so beautiful. Um, and so as the attentive fans that we are, we waited through the credits um, for the bonus scenes. And I will not give anything away about whether there are any. I will just encourage you to wait um, if you go to the movie. But honestly, most of us go right past all those names that scroll in the credits. I mean, we're just waiting to see, is there a bonus scene? Is there another one? Is there a third, right? Now, if you are someone who was in the movie or in the you know, play, you're, you're waiting. Oh, that's my baby's name right there. Or if you're the parent, of course, you're going to wait to see. But for the most part, we just scroll right through the names. We, we're just waiting for those, those credit scenes. But any production that has actors on stage also involves much design work behind the scenes, and that design work requires detailed and diligent hands. So when we come to the book of Exodus, God has led his people out of Egypt. He has done wonders through the plagues, through delivering them from Pharaoh and his army. And now his people are wandering in the wilderness. And so God has called Moses up to the mountain to give him detailed instructions for building the tabernacle. And the word tabernacle comes from a Hebrew word, mishkan, which means dwelling place. So God is giving Moses detailed instructions on how to build this tabernacle this portable sanctuary that Israel would carry in the wilderness. Now, for a lot of you, if you're you know, a fan of you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're merely thinking about you know, Harrison Ford and the depictions in that movie, I would encourage you to go and actually do some research, although that is a great movie. But in the saga of Exodus, we're familiar with the lead character, Moses and his brother Aaron. Some of you are familiar with their sister Miriam. And of course, the people of Israel, Pharaoh, the, the, the big name characters, right? But today, it is my delight to introduce you, if you do not know, to a VIP of the Old Testament. And in fact, this individual was the first person in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And his name was Bezalel. So we're going to introduce you to him in Exodus. If you'll turn to Exodus chapter 31. And if you are new to our faith or you are not um, familiar with the Holy Scriptures, Exodus is the second book 
of the Bible. So you are going to turn right past Genesis, and there you are at Exodus. And we're going to start in chapter 31, and I'm going to have some of these verses on the screen. But I would encourage you all, this is a fascinating read. And as someone who's read through the Bible several times, I will confess that these chapters, we kind of skip through. We get to, you know, the, the Red Sea. Oh, I know that part. And then we skip on past. Oh, there's a lot of names. Oh, there's a lot of details. Oh, and oh, we get past all that. Oh, yeah, I want to get to you know, the, the golden calf. Yeah, I want to read about when the people, you know, forgot who God was and forgot Moses and built a calf. I want to read all that. Stuff. I want to get past all those extra chapters and I want to get to the, the goodies. But today I want to I recast for you that every name and every person has a purpose in Scripture, just as we do, okay? So let's go to, Genesis, to Exodus rather, chapter 31, and we're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Verse 6, and I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle. The table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the ark of incense, the ark of the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests, verse 11, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So let us pray, and then we are going to dive into this subject matter, skilled and filled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here is our worship. We pray that you would receive our worship. As we dive into your word in Exodus and we read about the precision and the details and, uh, Lord, the long and rich list of items and effort that you called for Bezalel and all of the gifted artisans that you filled and you skilled to build this most holy place for you. I pray that your holy people would read this and be humbled at all of the effort that you called for your people to reverence you. And that, Lord, it would cause us to have a greater appreciation for all of these words in your scriptures. And, Lord, that we would leave today with more curiosity about these characters that we may not know much about. But also, Lord, that we would leave with an affirmation and encouragement 
that like you called Bezalel, you have also called us and you have filled us and you have given us skill to fulfill the purposes that you created us for. God, we all are the work of your hands. Would you take this time and use it for your glory? May I speak the words that you have called forth and may I get out of the way, Holy Spirit, so that you can fill this place and fill our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So as you've read with me in these verses, God has given precise details for building the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was surrounded by a fence. There was a gate, and I'm giving a very brief overview here, but there was an outer courtyard that had an altar for burnt offerings, and then there was a screen for the holy place, and then another curtain for the most holy place, and inside was the Ark of the Covenant. Many of you have heard of that. That was made with acacia wood, and it had poles to carry it that would be overlaid with gold, the Ark and the poles. And then there was a cover of gold with cherubim at the head and the foot. And those cherubim had their wings spread and they were going to be on top of that cover. And then inside the ark would be these tablets of the law that Moses got from God. There would be these ritual items that the people would, would, would be remembering for, for their sacrifices that Moses would use, the jugs and the utensils. And then an intricate menorah, which was like a candelabra. Now, when we read through this and we saw all of these utensils and all of these things over and over, we see God saying, all that I have commanded you, all that I have commanded you. And so sometimes we can forget how detailed our God is. He was very specific. And and we know that these first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch are ascribed to Moses as being the writer. And it's not hard to imagine that when you think of someone taking down detailed instructions like this, okay? I know when I'm writing sermon notes for Chris, I might miss a few things. And because I have the luxury of living with the preacher, I can go home and say, okay, can I see your notes? Tell me, da, 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 da. I'm listening and I'm trying to take notes, but I'm losing something from what he has said in me taking down the notes, right? But Moses is taking down the specific prescriptions that God is giving him for building the tabernacle. And it is very, very detailed. And so the first thing I want us to look at is how God called Bezalel. And I don't want us to miss that because we can skip right over things and, and miss very, very important part at the beginning of this passage. So verse one of Exodus 31, God says, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So God called him by name. And in scripture, God was even specific to say, this is his name and he's the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Because we know that that identification was very important. Who this person was, was not just his name, but it was who his father was, who his grandfather was, and even the tribe he came from. And if you're a student of the word, you know that the tribe of Judah, Judah means praise. And you also know someone else very important who came from the tribe of Judah, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Bezalel's story, just as we're introduced to him, we see that this man came from the tribe of Judah, the same tribe that Jesus came from, the tribe whose name means praise. In his story, God planned the place and the time and the family that he would be born to because God had a specific purpose for him. 
We also see Exodus 35 when Moses says to the children of Israel, he introduces Bezalel to them. He's literally saying to the people the same thing that God has said to him. And Moses said, 3530, to the children of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So don't miss the fact that God called Bezalel by name. And when I think of someone being called by name, I think of familiarity. You know, if someone calls out to me in the grocery store, excuse me, ma'am, I might not think they're calling me. Every once in a while, I'll get tickled when someone who's older than my 50 years says, hello, young lady. And I'm like, that's kind of flattering. Thank you for calling me young lady because I don't call myself young lady anymore. But if someone says, Darina, I turn because they called my name. They, they must know me. So God called Bezalel by name. There was a familiarity that God had and something special that God had for this man. But God was so gracious because he didn't just call Bezalel. He gave Bezalel a sidekick. Look with me in chapter 31, verse 6. It says that God appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And then we see again in Exodus 38, 23, Moses says the same thing to the people that God said to him. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And then we get some more detail about Aholiab. He was an engraver and a designer, a weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and a fine linen. So we see another name, another special person that was being called forth by God for a special task. And I want you to remember that Aholiab was an engraver, a designer, a weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and a fine linen. Those threads and those colors were the colors of royalty. And there was something specific that God was going to call for him to do in this assignment for building this dwelling place. So our first point is that God called Bezalel. Bezalel was called. Our, se our second point is that God filled Bezalel. Exodus 31.3 tells us, God says to Moses, and I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. I just love that. As I said at the introduction, this is the first time in scripture right here in Exodus 31 that we read someone is filled with the spirit of God. Now, so many of us, when we think of being filled with the spirit of God, we immediately point our, our pen at Pentecost and the tongues of fire and the people speaking in other languages that were unknown to, to them before the Holy Spirit filled them. We think of the gifts of the Spirit and, and whatever your experiences have been in your denomination and your walk with God. But let us also cast that being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like an artisan that many of us have never heard of. The first person in Scripture filled with the Spirit of God was a creative so those of you who God has given those really specific creative gifts and you do things with your hands, soak that in. Think about that as you apply the gift that God has given to you, that it is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that this man was not just a talented guy who could do some really cool things, but before we read about all that he could do, we read that he was called by name and that he was filled 
with the Spirit of God. And I want that to be a fresh wind of encouragement for your hearts as you use the gifts that God has given to you, as you understand that those gifts are not just for you. They're not just for your benefit. They're not even just for you to be of benefit to others, but it is through the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit that you can, like Bezalel and like a holy app, accomplish things that are landmark because you do know that there had never been a tabernacle built for Jehovah, right? This was something brand new. It wasn't like he could say, well, you know, let me see who has done this before. God was calling this man to do something that had never been done before. And he could not do that with all of the skill that he had if he was not filled with the Spirit of God. He needed to be filled with the Spirit of God. And God did that. That was God's work. Exodus 35, 31 tells us, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And I hope you're seeing that repetitiveness, that God is repeating the same exact things a second time. And then we get some more detail about what God filled Bezalel with. He filled him to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. Phew, anybody else tired reading about all the creds this guy had? Like, man, how many skills can one guy have? <laughs> now, I can't say there's a lot that I can do well with my hands except for typing and writing. I, I, don't, I don't have the skills of, of casting jewelry. I can't melt gold unless it's something I can Google. Um, I can bake um, on a good day when I got my timer on right. I don't mess up my recipe. But this man had gifts of working with artistic elements and gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels and carving wood and working in all manner of artistic workmanship. Now, something that we don't read here is where Bezalel went to school. Now, do not take this as a moment of Darina came up today and said we don't need to go to school, children. <laughs> Until you were the age of 18, in this country, legally, your job is to go to school. Okay? Yes. But my point is, whether God has gifted you with a PhD, or whether you are struggling through first grade and you can make it, baby, you can do it, trying to put numbers together and words together, I get it. It is about being filled with the Spirit of God. And it is about the skills that God has given to you. And I'm speaking from a mother's heart to children of all ages, whether you are a child or whether you are an adult who is trying to figure out what is it that God has given to me. I don't know. I want to encourage you, first of all, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. May that be the most consistent thing you pray. Holy Spirit, fill me. Show me your ways. Your guidance counselor at school might, and I say might, sadly, 
might give you some guidance. They might give you some encouragement, and I hope they do. Your parents might have some, some good suggestions. I had a great conversation with my parents last night as I was preparing this because I was thinking about this point about how we read Bezalel being filled with the Spirit of God, and, and we read about all of the cred that this man had, all of these gifts, all of this this craftsmanship and, and, and effort and things that he could do so well. And, and I thought about how, especially in my high school years, my dad would every once in a while float out, you know, you would be a good lawyer. You know, you'd be a good lawyer. And, and you know, I was such a dutiful child and I love my dad. And so, you know, for a minute I thought, maybe I should be a lawyer because that's what my dad said. And, you know, it's nice when your parents say you'd be a good lawyer. That sounded pretty good. You know, they make good money. That's a very important, prestigious, you know, career path. And, but then I was like, no, I don't think that's for me. And then that's not what God had for me. But yesterday I thought, I've never asked my parents why they thought I would be a good lawyer. And then I thought, well, I don't think I'd like to debate and argue all the time, did I? Like, what, what was the reason? I was like, I want to call and ask them. You know, thank God they're both still on this side of eternity and I can call them and, and they'll pick up an answer. So I said, Dad, talk to me. Why, why did you think I would be a good lawyer? And, and he gave this wonderful answer. And it was, I'm so glad I called because I, I never thought about it. But he said, you were very convicted and convinced of what you knew. And no one was going to deter you. They were not going to persuade you. And I just thought, man, that would be a great skill to have in the courtroom. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I still don't want to be a lawyer. I'm not going back to law school. That's not what God had for me. But I'm flattered that you thought I would be a good lawyer. And I say to us as parents that we, like my parents, my great godly parents, might have some really good ideas about what our children can be, what they can go out and do in this great big world. I've heard parents my age, peers say, I think my child should be a blank because they're going to make a lot of money. And, and we want to carefully cast vision to our children as we believe our job is, and I say we believe our job is, because that's, that's not exactly what Scripture says. Scripture tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, which if we understand the context is not tell them the way that they're supposed to go, like you should be a blank, but it's looking at how they're bending and, 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 and walking in the Spirit and, and keeping in touch step with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life as God is bending them. So it's really a focus on God's work, you doing your job of training them up, but not telling them this is what you're supposed to do because we're not God, right? But let me, let me get back to my point. God is God. But I love that we see in the midst of all of what Bezalel was gifted to do, that it was what God had poured into him. And so I hope that as you steward whatever that is that God has gifted for you to do, that you will remember that it is from God. Whether your work is behind the scenes and like Bezalel, most people don't know your name, but they know what you did. Or whether you stand on stages and you do something where everybody knows your name. That's not the point. Some of us will be called to be behind the scenes and to be faithful, like the gentlemen and the women who do so many things behind the scenes here. You may not know who some of those folks up there are, Peter Waller and uh, our elder, uh, our elder Aubrey. Yes, let's get, definitely give these gentlemen a hand. And our brother Terrence Gibson and so many others who do so many things, lasagna, so many things that allow us to hear and experience 
our worship in here and preparing communion elements and I could go on and on and on, but whether you do the things that nobody knows who does that or whether you stand where I am, it's about stewarding whatever the gift is that God has given to you. And so hear my heart, brothers and sisters. If you don't know what that gift is, it's okay. Don't compare yourself to someone else. I wouldn't want anyone to leave today and say, I want to be able to stand up and do just like Dorena Williamson. No, there's only one Dorena Williamson. God has called me by name, but there's one of you and God has called you by name and God has an assignment for you. So I speak against us comparing our gifts to someone else's or saying, well, you know, look at Moses. He led all the people through the wilderness. What if Bezalel said, well, golly, all I can do is sew curtains and craft wood and melt gold. I wish I could be like Aaron. I wish I could be like Miriam and stand before the people and lead them in worship. But we see a man who was gifted, who was called, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and who was filled with skill. And he was ready when God had a grand assignment for him. So we've looked at Bezalel was called. Secondly, we've looked at Bezalel was filled. Now, finally, let's look at how Bezalel was skilled. Exodus 31, 4. And we are reading some of the same passages again, but this is to reiterate to us because God has given us all of these details and they are important. So 31.4 tells us, Bezalel is to design artistic works, work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels for setting, carving wood, work in all manner of craftsmanship. Now, you see this word wisdom in several of these passages as we're reading this, that God filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom. And I want to remind us that wisdom is good judgment. You know, I love listening to Bernard talk about um, training and how there's so many gifted athletes, so many athletes who, man, they can do this at this age, and man, they can run that, and they can do that. But I've also grown to respect so much as he talks about people learning to be a good steward of the gift God has given them. Because there are folks who could make it to the league if they only stewarded the gift and worked hard. You're not going to make it to the league by sitting and just watching TV and letting your gift just sit. you got to apply yourself. And the wisdom is knowing what to do with the gift that God has given to you. This is where we involve the community around us to help cultivate those gifts. Okay, so God specifically not only talked about Bezalel being filled and having skill, but there was wisdom and understanding and knowledge in that. Because it was not just enough for him to know how to do things. He had to have the good judgment to know how to execute because he was called to do something no one had ever done before. And this was a holy and an overwhelming work as we read it from our vantage point. Now, here's another group that we get introduced to, and it's almost like they're a band. I call them the gifted artisans. Exodus 31, 6, God says, And I have put wisdom, good judgment, in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, we see this word, these two words, gifted artisans, repeated several times in the next few chapters. And I encourage you all to go read 31 through 
37 over this next week and just have conversations with your kids about all the details. It's incredible. But the gifted artisans are mentioned in chapter 31, 6 right here. But then they're mentioned in chapter 35, verse 10, 35, 25, in chapter 36, verse 1, chapter 36, verse 2, and then chapter 36, verse 8. So there's seven times there that the gifted artisans are mentioned. And we don't know all of their names, but they were given the task of doing all of these things because two guys could not do it all. So what about us? We read about this man, Bezalel, the first person in Scripture to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, Isaiah 43, verse 2 may be familiar to some of you, but it's such a beautiful passage. Isaiah 43, verse 1 This is what the Lord says. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, and he he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Isn't that beautiful? God says that to Israel. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. And then Jesus gives his disciples and gives us a special word. And I want to read this to you over in John chapter 15. As he's preparing his disciples for his departure, he says to them in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Jesus says to the disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I've appointed you to go and bear fruit. That is a word for all of us. We are chosen. We are dearly loved. Now, I love when I think about... um, being a gifted artisan, working with all of these amazing materials that Bezalel and Aholiab and the gifted artisans did. You remember what Jesus' earthly work was before he began his ministry and the family that he was called to be a part of in Matthew chapter 13. When he's in Nazareth and he is beginning his ministry, and I'll read this to you. Uh, you know, they're like puzzled, like, what? And they say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judah? They're like, where did he get that wisdom? Isn't this just the carpenter's son? Don't we know who he is? We know his family. So that word, the carpenter, is the Greek word tecton, and and the New King James translates it carpenter, but as I was researching for a children's Christmas book that um, I am going to publish next year at Christmas time, stay tuned, I'm really excited about it, Um, I discovered that that Greek word tecton could also be translated as a craftsman or builder. As we learn about Middle Eastern culture and we research the area that Jesus grew up in in Nazareth, trees were not readily available then and now. And so most of the homes were constructed out of wood, 
And so that word in our, you know, modern translations has been translated carpenter, but it also could be translated as a craftsman or a builder. And so if we recast from the Christmas children's books we've read where Jesus is pounding nails into wood and we think more expansively about being a craftsman or a builder, then we think about the metaphors that Jesus used, right? You all know Luke 20, 17, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Well, he's giving an analogy that is relatable for the people in his day, but he's also giving something that he knows personally from the work that he most likely did with his father before he was called into this, his earthly ministry. We read 1 Peter 2.4, where Peter says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I love thinking about that, Jesus talking about being the chief cornerstone So as we close and we think about the creative gifts that God gave to Bezalel and to Aholiab, we think about the creative gifts that God has given to each of us. And as I've already encouraged us, parents, ask God to reveal the gifts that he's given to your child. If you're a child or an adult who's trying to figure out or maybe refigure out. COVID has made a lot of shifts for people with employment and with purpose. And, and some of you are, are, are really struggling to figure out what is it that I do well? How has God wired me? Or what should I go get trained for? I hope that your takeaway from, from this message is to pray more for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to guide you with his wisdom and to trust that God will make clear to you what those gifts are. You know, I believe that in the church, those creative gifts can be used and affirmed. And when I think about the history of Strong Tower, I think about how we've had rap, which we're going to get to hear again in a few moments, but we've had spoken word, poetry. We've had the Korean gospel choir that came. We've had congas in years past. We've had tambourine. We've had steel drums. We've had the B3 and the, the flute and strings like my niece Chandler played weeks ago and guitar, hip-hop dance, ballet. We've had indigenous dance, varied instruments and voices, varied ways that we worship God with the creative gifts. And I love knowing that those gifts get to flourish in the house of God. And I have so much respect for so many in our body who are skilled instructors and who teach. And, and I know growing up when I had a little season of life where I took piano lessons and I wasn't a very good student, so I don't really remember much of it. But when I did and had recitals, there was a place for those recitals. And I have a couple little aged little Beethoven little trophy things. And there's a place for that. But I also believe that church should be a place where, especially for those young people, those gifts have an opportunity to be celebrated. And you have an opportunity to have somebody say, amen, baby, and praise the Lord. And you did a great job today. Where they're not getting a grade and they're not getting an instructor's critique, but they're in the house of God and they are being reminded that their gifts are from God. 
and they are valuable in a world that's not always going to give them that affirmation. And it was my honor to express so many of those gifts, the, the next book, and I'm only saying this because my husband told me that I should, and I knew if I didn't, he would. Um, but my, my next book, I'm so excited for its release November 9th. It is sourced literally from this church, and I love doing podcasts and people say, well, where did the idea for this book come from? And I'm like, ah, it came from Strong Tower Bible Church, 26 years of doing life together and worshiping together and being able to see the glory of God through all of the beautiful expressions that we get to have in this body. I think about Chris's beginning as a guy who was a rapper, and you all know his story, and it's so fun for me to share from my vantage point coming into his story in college, but knowing that he was a high schooler who had a gift of rapping, something he did well. Now, as many young people, as many of us, sometimes our gifts are, we are using them for ourselves and for our own glory. And he has shared that story that that's exactly how his gift was being used in high school, for his glory. But then he got to college and a very wise, spirit-filled man said, have you ever thought about writing raps about the Bible? If you write some raps about the Bible, I'll take you out with me and you can, you know, rap before I preach. Now, Chris Williamson had never thought about writing raps about the Bible, and he told me, I wouldn't have thought about that. That's not something that I would have just, yeah, down the road, wouldn't have thought about it. So a wise, spirit-filled man who looks like him, who was relatable to him, who saw his gift, called it out and said, have you ever thought about writing raps about the Bible? And because he decided, why not? He started reading the Bible. And because God's word is living and active, God's word started interacting with the gift that God had already given him that was being used for himself. And he began writing raps about the Bible and found that he was really good at it. And had the opportunity to use those gifts with that, that gentleman, that vice president who saw those gifts and called that out. And you all know the story. Use those gifts and God began to stir his heart and he moved from, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. I can rap and I like to draw, but I don't really know what I'll do with that. But because God's word was activating in his heart and God's spirit had filled him, that gift started making room and God began to stir in him. I haven't given you this gift just so you can be a rapper. I've given you this gift because I want you to be a communicator of my word. And that called forth a calling to preach, and that called forth Transformation Crusade, and that called forth us moving to Nashville, Tennessee for what we thought would be a record contract and, you know, change the world through rap music and big stages. But that was not why God brought us to Nashville. It was because God had a destiny for Strong Tower Bible Church to exist. And for this man who was gifted by God with a skill that many in the church in the 1980s and in the 1990s and still in 2021, but definitely then, oh, that's of the world. Oh, no, that's, that's worldly stuff. Because they could not imagine that God can use all of these gifts for his glory because he is the giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so the fact that we are here today and that Strong Tower Bible Church exists is because this vessel was willing to be used by God. 
with the gift that God had given him. And so I want to bless you as I end with the words of Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Bezalel was skilled and filled to craft something spectacular, something that had never been done before. And I'm so excited that today you get to leave knowing this man's name. Now, after the tabernacle, later Solomon would build his temple and then it would be destroyed and then others would build replicas of the temple. But now we are God's temple. There's no more need for a portable tabernacle in the wilderness because 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so if God could call an ordinary craftsman and his sidekick, Aholiab, and a bunch of gifted artisans to skillfully craft curtains and priestly garments for, the, for Aaron and, and all of the high priests and, and poles of acacia wood overlaid with gold and cherubim and intricate. I mean, the details, y'all, read through this with your children so that they can really cast a vision for how much specificity our God had in prescribing exactly how he wanted this tabernacle to be built. If God could fill an ordinary man and gift him the gift to be able to prepare a dwelling that would be temporary, how much more majestic is the work that he has gifted for us to do as his temple, who the Holy Spirit indwells? If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And I pray today that you will, again, posture yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, fill me. May I not flow in my strength. If I have considered that these are my gifts, that I have gone to school and I have cultivated for X amount of years and I have tooted my own horn, God, forgive me. This message is calling me back to be reminded that my gifts are from you, whatever they look like, whether they are on an athletic field, whether they are in an academic setting, whether they are playing an instrument, whether they are crafting detailed designs, that those gifts are from the giver of those gifts. And beloved, I pray that you will, like me, ask him to fill you and that those skills will be used for his glory, for whatever grand purpose that he has called for you. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for giving us Bezalel's name, for giving us Aholiab's name, for telling us who their families were and their tribes, for giving us chapters and verses filled with details that are so amazing that you had so much line by line information that you imparted to Moses to impart to the people of Israel that now we get to read to show us what a specific God you are. I thank you that you are the giver of those gifts. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you were pleased to fill this man for the specific purpose that you had for him. 
And I pray that we would be reminded today that you fill us for a specific purpose. And God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are listening online or who are listening in person, that God, you would show them your ways. May they not compare themselves to someone else, but may they wait before you and trust that you will reveal your purposes to them. And if you are changing their purpose to something else, may they yield and stay in step, Holy Spirit, and not lean on what they've done in the past, but be open to how you want to flow through them today. I pray for a fresh reverence for the gifts that you have given to us and for you as the giver of all these beautiful gifts. I thank you that we have the privilege of being your dwelling place today, and I pray that we would not take that for granted. Thank you for being pleased to dwell in these mortal bodies. We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.